ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port here on WDAY. This is the Rob Report. Good afternoon, Natil. Good afternoon, Rob. Can you give blood, Natil? No. No? 100% no. I am super phobic of needles. They don't want me to donate blood because when I go in to have like my blood drawn, I, 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 I pass out. Oh. I have literal panic attacks. It's a legitimate phobia. This isn't just like, wow. no, I don't like needles. I'm kind of scared of needles. I will hyperventilate and pass out. I I I try to uh, I try to give blood. I I got I try I got in the habit um, a couple years ago. Uh, a, a friend of mine who is um, who is 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 he's excuse me. He's homosexual uh, and, and can't give blood, and he was going through, they, they had somebody in their family who was going through a disease, and they were all giving blood, and he couldn't give blood, uh, so I told him I would go give blood, uh, I guess on his behalf, just kind of a symbolic thing, um, and uh, I, I, I tried doing it, I fell out of the habit, but I got to go again this afternoon, because uh, my daughter's school is having a blood drive, and... Oh. Every t- every time I go, I'm not I'm not at the level you are, phobia wise. But I I hate going. <laughs> it's I mean it's something I really got to force myself to do, and I I know how good it is and and all of that. But it's uh it's it's really hard to make myself go. Uh, it really is. You should do it. People out there are listening to this. Please go give blood. Oh, absolutely. Just, don't don't be me. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm just scared. It makes I might cry a little. I, <laughs> It's um, I it's just I it's it is so uncomfortable to me. Um, and I don't. I mean, I've I've got a phobia. I I don't even I don't even like going to the doctor. I mean, I don't like I don't like any of it. I, I don't I don't like going. I don't like them touching me or poking me or prodding me. I don't like any of it. But my daughter brought home the blood drive thing, and she guilted me into doing it. So I'm going, and it's a good thing. And again, if you hear this, give give blood. It's- Absolutely. See, I, I have sort of, I have a hope that someday I'll get over my phobia enough to at least donate blood once in my life because it used to be that I couldn't even get uh, like vaccination shots. I had to get bribed to go in to get a vaccination shot because yeah. I would get all weak and faint and it was just a bad scene. And now I can get, now I can get a vaccination. Okay. Like I can get a shot or a tetanus booster or something like that and not pass out. I can so I've tell made you, progress. I can tell you as a parent, the worst thing in the world is the first time you take your kids in for a vaccination to get shots like that, because the the kids have no idea, right? I They're know. having a good time. They're playing with the toys. Even if you try to explain it to them at that age, they don't know what's going on, right? So you know, and it's 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 not maybe not even the first time, right? Because the first time, a lot of times they're babies. And that's different, but it's like it's like when they're a little bit older and they're aware, oh, I'm at the doctor's office and I'm playing and I'm having a good time and I'm in there and now they're swabbing my leg and now all of a sudden, boom. The moment of betrayal. Right. And the, the that look they give you and their eyes widen up and the tears spring to their eyes and their mouths start to, you know, work a little bit, but they're not crying yet. That is the worst moment in the world it, because it is. That's the look. You know, it's it's a look of just absolute betrayal. Um, perhaps the look Donald Trump gave his attorney general when she decided not to enforce his, you like that segue? Oh, what like a I segue. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, obviously that's, that's got a lot of people riled up and I, I have a few thoughts about it. Sally Yates, who is serving as the interim attorney general until, uh, Senator Jeff Sessions is confirmed and, 
you know, Trump obviously issued his immigration orders, and it's being challenged in court by some states and the ACLU, and there's all sorts of folder all unfolding about that. And Sally Yates comes up and says that she believes the order was illegal, and she is instructing her staff not to enforce it, which to me was was everybody's flipping out because the Trump administration called it a betrayal. And I think that's accurate. And the reason why I think that's accurate is because of the way she went about doing it. If you want to join the program, 701-293-9000, is the toll-free number. Email talk at WDAY.com. There is a right way and a wrong way to do what Yates did. And, and what Yates did was the absolute 100% wrong way. It's indefensible. Now, I, I, I say that. There is nothing at all wrong with Sally Yates disagreeing with her boss, right? She's a holdover from the Obama administration. Uh, it's not like Trump hired her. If she doesn't like where Trump's going, if she doesn't want to do the Trump the, the, the work that Trump, her boss, is putting in front of her, she doesn't have to. The proper route is to resign. And then as a private citizen, if she wants to be critical of the Trump administration, she certainly can. She would be in a very, uh, very credible position to do so. But instead of doing that, which is the honorable thing, what she decided to do is to defy the president and say, I'm not going to enforce it. I'm going to stay on the job, but I'm not going to enforce this, and I'm going to instruct my office, my underlings, the Department of Justice, not to work on your behalf, Mr. President. Now, that is beyond the pale. That is absolutely irresponsible. It's indefensible. She absolutely should have been fired. And the people who are, are going after Trump and, and saying that he's, you know, Nixonian or whatever uh, because he fired her are absolutely wrong. He was 100% in the right to fire his attorney general. Love to hear if you agree or disagree with me, though. 701-293-9000, talk at WDAY.com. Here's, here's the thing. The president of the United States is invested with executive power, right? He is he is the executive branch. All of the power, not not a portion of it, all of the power of the executive branch is invested in the president of the United States. Now the president delegates some of that executive authority to the various components of the executive branch. So the secretary of the treasury the Attorney General, the Secretary of Commerce, all those different areas, all those different cabinet members, the President of the United States delegates his executive authority to those. It is their job to carry out the President's executive authority. And if they don't like it, then they can quit. They can resign. And then they can tell us all why they resigned, and we can all have a debate about whether or not they were right to resign or not. But what they cannot do is carry on as though they're going to stay on the job and just not do what the president tells them to do. They're not going to exercise the president's executive authority, which is what they're hired to do. That is inappropriate. It's 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 really it's it's a sort of bureaucratic coup, right? Like like we're gonna we're gonna stop the president from exec- executing his executive authority by just not doing it, by just refusing to do our jobs. It is it is 
irresponsible. I, I believe it checks and balances in government, but that is not a lawful check and balance. We have the court system to overturn the president's executive orders. We have the legislative branch to overturn the president's executive orders. What we don't have are bureaucrats acting on their own to just try to overturn the president unilaterally. That is inappropriate. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Let's see, we got Josh on the line. What's up, Josh? Well, I guess I'm curious um, as to why it's okay or... You literally said that we're, we're talking about breaking the law. Um, when Yates says that she believes as the attorney general, I, I understand a carryover attorney general at that, uh, but this is nonetheless an attorney general of the United States of America is saying, I believe this to be illegal. But she can um, resign. You're saying the appropriate thing then would be for her to step down. Step and down. say, well, I'm not willing to do what's illegal here. Um, so the appropriate Which thing she then believes would be to is step illegal. down so that somebody else can do that. What she believes is illegal. Now, it's, it's not up to her to unilaterally decide whether or not the president's uh, executive orders are illegal. We have the judicial branch for that. There's already been all sorts of, of, uh, all sorts of uh, you know, filings put in place. As a matter of fact, one judge has issued a stay on the order. So that's the proper procedure. And, and process in this sort of thing matters. If she doesn't want to carry out the order, she can resign and then she is in I a place to speak with just, a very I feel powerful like voice. Down a very dangerous path when you say that an attorney general of the United States that disagrees with the legality of an action that their only recourse is to step down. I yeah. think you're walking down a very dangerous path. I don't think so. I don't think so at all. And I, I don't think so at all. I understand the, uh, the the things that are in place. To, I don't think to you do. Check. I don't. I don't. I don't think you do. I I, I don't want to live in a world where bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. can just overrule the president. She's not the president. She wasn't elected to be the president. She doesn't have executive powers. For better or worse, agree, and I, and I, I don't even necessarily like the president's executive order that much. She may even be right that it's illegal, but it doesn't matter. It's not up to a bunch of bureaucrats to pull off a coup. General, like, I, I think it doesn't matter. The She's not the president. The attorney general is not an elected position. The attorney general serves at the pleasure of the president of the United States. If she's not going to do her job. The Constitution and the laws of this country, I believe, as well. Am I not correct? If she, if she, doesn't, if she doesn't, yeah, she swears an oath to uphold the Constitution. The thing is, is that the Constitution can be interpreted all sorts of different ways. The U.S. Supreme Court once upheld FDR's internment of Japanese Americans. Do you think that was constitutional? Because the Supreme Court did. That's precedent that's never been overturned. All right? So that can't be the standard. It's not up to the attorney general to interpret the president's laws. If she doesn't like it, she can resign. Full stop. That's that's her only valid choice. What she did is beyond the pale. She's no hero. Just like Kim Davis in, in Kentucky was no hero for refusing to follow the law and issue marriage licenses. The left jumped all over Kim Davis because she wouldn't do her job. Well, the same thing is true for Sally Yates. If she doesn't like it, she could quit. I got to take a break. Thanks for the call, Josh. Travis, you're up next after the break. 701 293 9000, 888 We'll be back. Don't go away.
Welcome back, Rob Report, WDAY, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Ah, we're talking about this uh, situation with the interim attorney general, Sally Yates, saying that she's just not, she didn't, she didn't resign. She just said, I'm not going to do what you tell me, Mr. Trump, even though you're my boss, even though all executive power rests with you, even though I am not the courts and I have no authority to unilaterally decide on the legality of your orders. I'm just not going to do it. I, I'm sorry. That is a borderline coup. And what she did was was reprehensible. And I don't care if you like Trump or hate Trump. I don't care what you think of his executive orders. What she did was wrong, and it ought to be universally condemned. 701-293-9000, Caller, Travis, you're up. How's it going today, Rob? Doing good. They, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't, didn't Obama do the exact same thing during his term, uh, temporary halt? This, do the, like, the exact same thing. Uh, he did a temporary, uh, temporary halt on refugees from Iraq. Uh, it was a six month halt and I believe it was in response to a, a direct threat. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he did a similar thing and there was no, he also put, he also, uh, at, in the final days of his administration, put a halt to refugees from Cuba as well. Um, so yeah, he's done similar things. And but so he's not, I guess he's I not just don't Donald Trump. So what I guess the great big uproar is for something that's pretty much a similar thing, except yeah. uh, we didn't see the riots and the protesting and everything else like we do now. Yeah. Well, that's uh, you know that was something else I wanted to get into today was was the left turning their outrage up to eleven. I'm just wondering where they're going to go. I mean, we're they're blocking highways, they're blocking airports. We saw with the pipeline protest, the violence. You know, we saw violence at the inauguration. We saw violence on election day. You know, where is this going? How far is the left willing to go? You know, I mean, well, there's going to there's going to come a point where they need to start being a little more responsible in the way they need to talk because they have convinced themselves that Trump is evil, that Trump is a Nazi. Now, like him or, or hate him, he is not those things. Uh, but they've convinced themselves that they are. They've convinced themselves, like like President Obama said, that 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 they're the ones on the right side of history. And in their minds, I'm worried about what sort of things in their minds that justifies. Uh, I don't know. I guess you know. I guess I teach my kids that violence ain't the answer to anything, and it seems to be a whole lot of what we got going on as a crybaby society that just can't handle anything anymore. Well, I don't. I don't know if you're. Uh, I, I don't know. You could be right. Thanks for the call, Travis. Appreciate it. Next up, Marnie. What's on your mind? Hi, this is Marnie. How are you? Doing good. Good. Um, so I want to comment on the Sally Yates thing because. The um, executive has the duty to take care that the laws are faithfully executed. And so I think she did the right thing by her conscience and by the law. She is not the executive. She is not no. the president of the United States. She is, yeah, she is the attorney general. Yeah, the last time the executive fired the attorney general? Um, that got us um, Watergate. If you recall, that's what Nixon did. You can't. I mean, you're, compar- you're comparing, you're comparing no, me, apples to oranges. Uh, the president finish. has every right to fire an attorney general who won't do the job that he puts before her. No, no, he doesn't. Not if yes, he's he following does. the law. He's, yes, he does. The attorney the general, the attorney general serves the at the faithfully executed. Without the, the laws being faithfully executed, there's no constitution. It's there's not no up to her. Law, it's not no up to America. her. I mean, she is not the president. She, the right she is not thing. elected. She she should have resigned. If she doesn't like, no, if she doesn't like. She should have resigned. He's breaking the law. He's the breaking pro- the law. <laughs> according to you. All sorts of people thought President Obama was breaking the law. You're, you, well, said if you want to overthrow a country, first kill all the lawyers. 
So if you want to overthrow I don't, the I don't, I don't, I don't know. lawyers and throw out the law, but with no law, there's no constitution and there's no America. It's Trump not up. We have, fact, we, we have, have in place, Marty. Marty, I don't. Executed. You can keep ranting all you want. Executed. You just keep ranting. Go judge. right ahead. Rant and rant and rant. That's all you. That's no, all. That's, that's all, all you doing. do, Rob. Is you rant no. and rant. You incite hatred against liberals when people are trying to take care that the laws are faithfully. Executed. I am worried. I am. I am worried that I am. The Constitution. Without a Constitution, there's no America. Without I agree. laws being followed, so then, so then, why doesn't why doesn't Sally Yates anarchy? And anarchy is what causes riots. See, this is this is what the left does: is you just keep shouting so that nobody else can get a word in. Thanks for the oh, call, Rob, Marty. That's what you've been doing all along. Every time I listen to your show, <laughs> that's what you do: you talk over people and rant about liberals and the left. Actually, I think I'm pretty moderate on a lot of issues. I agree with Democrats on a lot of issues. That's just. I, I, so why were you I, I think I think the left like they were evil because because I think it is extremely worrying that we have violence on election day that we have violence on inauguration day that we had months of violence around the protest that we have Black Lives Matter blocking highways that we have protesters blocking airports these are these are things that are not okay these are Wait, things where we're using civil unrest and violence to intimidate Anarchy the public we have yeah. a president. You're fomenting who's anarchy. Federal laws like they don't exist. He's violating so According to you, he's, according he's to you, and you're obviously kind of clueless, Marley. I'm a lawyer. I've studied constitutional law. Unlike you, you clearly Rob, haven't studied it very well. You, you clearly have. You clearly haven't studied it very well. If you think that it's up Actually, to the attorney general, if you think it's up to the attorney general to unilaterally decide on the legality of the president's executive actions. As the attorney general, she has to take care that the laws are faithfully executed. As a lawyer, if she, she doesn't want to, if she thinks that the laws are illegal, she can resign. Law, it's up to the courts. Obligated to call him out. Uh, then she Lawyers can resign. Then call him out. Follow the law, whether they like it or not. Marty, we, I I hope you realize that by calling in and screaming at me, I hope you realize that by calling in and screaming at me, you are undermining I'm not your own at you, case. Rob. I'm making this sure sounds like legal arguments. No. <laughs> Yes, if this, if, if that's what you think, that's what you think is persuasion. That's the executive's job. Read your constitution, Rob. The constitution the, says take she is care. not the, the executive. executive has to take the president of the United the States of the, is the executive. Executed. So what Trump the president done, of the United said, States is, is the executive. What Trump should have done instead of fire her is get an advisory opinion from a federal court as to what the law was. Because the president of the United States, the president of the United States, say what the law is. So the president Trump's of the United States, Marnie, can we cut off so Marnie? The president of the United States is the executive. He has the executive power. There's a check on executive power in the form of judicial review and the Congress. That's what the Constitution says. It's not up to the attorney general to exercise that herself. If she doesn't like the job she's doing for the president, she can resign. But saying that she is just going to obstruct the president is beyond the pale. It is absolutely invalid. I'm glad she got fired. She deserves our scorn. She did a poor job. More to come straight ahead. Hey, we're going to switch. We're going to talk about dentistry coming up next. How's that for a segue? 701-293-9000, We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Self-pop. 
little bit of breaking news as we come out of the break. Uh, North Dakota House of Representatives, you know, yesterday they voted on uh, legislation to repeal the state's blue laws, which is, is essentially no, you know, no sales or stuff before uh, before noon on Sunday. Um, obviously pretty antiquated law. It, it failed by a narrow margin yesterday. It passed, actually. They reconsidered it. Uh, it passed today. The bill did. Uh, 48 to 46. So now it's on to the Senate. So uh, blue laws repeal passed the House on to the Senate. Uh, I think I think they'll actually have an easier time of it in the uh, in the state Senate. I think the House was the big hurdle on that one. So anyway, good news there. Uh, I'll have video of the debate up at uh, sayanythingblog.com as, as soon as I'm off air. Uh, all right, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk a little bit about dental services in the state of North Dakota. We've had uh, for, for multiple legislative sessions now, we have had a debate over uh, what are called dental therapists. And a dental therapists, they, they would be uh, a, a, it would be an occupation that we license in the state that isn't quite as, they can't do as many things as full-on dentists. Uh, but they would be able to provide some of the services that, that dentists can now exclusively. Um, and the thought behind doing that is that it would expand access to dental services by making it so that you don't necessarily just have to go to a, a dentist uh, to get services done. Now, access to dental services is is actually kind of tough in some parts of North Dakota, particularly in rural areas, uh, because you know a lot of times you know, there's not enough population size or whatever to support a dentist. So a lot of people have to drive a long way and, and get appointments, and it, it can be tough. So the idea is, well, you know, not every service that you need, you need to see a full dentist for. So this would allow us to, you know, license some some more people to provide additional services and, and hopefully overall improve access to dental care. The legislation is House Bill 1256. On the air with me right now is Michael Hamilton. He is a, a researcher for the Heartland Institute. Uh, he backs this legislation. Michael, welcome to the program. Thanks, Rob. Excited to be with you. Thanks for having me. Why is this a good bill? This is a terrific bill because if it passes, then it will accomplish exactly two things. Number one, dentists will gain an option for building exactly the kind of team that they want, whether that team includes dental therapists um, or does not include dental therapists. They will just gain the option to be able to exercise uh, their professional judgment as dentists uh, in order to uh, run their, their practices exactly as they want to in order to serve their patients exactly as they want to. Now, the other thing that this bill would accomplish just derives from that, and that is that um, for dentists that do decide to take the option of hiring dental therapists, then underserved patients, patients who are in uh, regions that are maybe more rural or actually a lot of urban regions too, but if you're in a place where you're having uh, a, a low access to dental care providers, um, then you, uh, the, you that would improve for you because uh, you wouldn't just now have to wait in line to go see a dentist or drive you know an hour to go see a dentist. Um, that dentist may have a dental therapist available that you're able to uh, to get into uh, with with a lot more ease of access I had a uh, dr. Brent Holman he is a dentist here in the state of North Dakota he's also the executive director of the North, North Dakota Dental Association I've spoken with him about this legislation he also wrote a guest post for sayanythingblog.com. Uh he doesn't like this uh, he says no. <laughs> that this is this is a this is an untested model uh, it would not improve access uh, he says that that it's being promoted by out-of-state people 
uh, who who don't really have North Dakota's best interests at heart. Now, obviously, you're not somebody who's from North Dakota. I don't I don't know that that matters one way or the other. But why why, why do the dentists hate this? Sure. Well, I, I'm glad you bring that up. In fact, um, one of the reasons I'm even privileged to be talking about this with you is because I'm the co-author of a policy brief um, that uh, we did. We wrote specifically for lawmakers in North Dakota, um, and actually a co-author on that report is former North Dakota Representative Betty Grandy, who I believe she spent about 20 years in the legislature out there. So, um, so this is um, the criticism that this is not a local solution. I think really um, that certainly doesn't apply to uh, to us in this case. Um, but uh, what's interesting is that when you look um, when you look at some of the objections to dental therapy uh, they, they really uh, are full of cavities I guess if you'll if you'll forgive that bad pun um, one of the biggest objections is that they're not going to increase a- access for the patients that um, that have trouble getting to a dentist um, because a lot of dental therapists in say like in Minnesota is one of the, the very few states that actually um, has a, a free market for dental therapists um, then the majority of them just the barely the majority and tend to stay in urban areas but I tell you that's actually would be a uh, not a bad thing for North Dakota because um, in Minnesota, for instance, you have uh, 48% of dental therapists um, practicing in rural, non-metro regions. Well, the share of the dental therapists that are going out to these uh, these rural regions far exceeds the the, the population out there. And so, um, actually, rural patients are, are benefiting um, uh, disproportionately. So that's actually really good news for them. Um, the other thing uh, is that is that you hear a lot about quality, um, and the the dentists would actually remain totally in charge of all of the procedures that a dental therapist would do. Um, just as you don't, you know, go to the dentist and, you know, when you're treated by a, a dental hygienist, it's not like the hygienist is just sort of uh, doing uh, his or her thing without any sort of supervision. No, it's all done under the authority and with the quality assurance of a dentist. And so uh, I would say that if I were seeing a dental therapist and I were to get bad quality uh, of care, that wouldn't be on, on the therapist. That would ultimately be on the dentist that is employing the therapist. And so I really would just put that concern right back in the dentist's laps. What do you think? Should we allow dental therapists in the state of North Dakota? As I understand it, the uh, the state House of Representatives is going to be voting on this this week. If they pass it, the debate will continue into the Senate. 701-293-9000, is the toll-free number. Email talk at WDAY.com. You said Minnesota has implemented this. Have other states aside from Minnesota implemented it? What sort of results have we seen there so far? Yes, they have. So, in fact, the criticism that dental therapy is an untried model actually is totally false. Uh, Minnesota has uh, has had dental therapists practicing since they authorized their program in 2009, I think. So I guess they would have graduated their first uh, therapist in, I guess, 2011. That sounds about right. Um, but Alaska has been doing this for more than a decade. They, uh, they authorized their program back in 2003. Their program looks quite different from Minnesota's, um, but at the same time, I think that really just shows the flexibility that state lawmakers have in bringing this solution to town. Um, but also, Vermont and Massachusetts have authorized dental therapy, although they don't yet have anybody practicing in that state. And there are a handful of native tribes, uh, I think, in Oregon and in Washington State that have at least one dental therapist serving the people out there under the Alaska model. But I tell you what, Rob, more than that, this is a 95-year-old profession, and it has actually uh, been happening in 50 54 countries um, for the last 95 years. And so it's it's absolutely a tested model, and it's, uh, it has proven success. And it's time for North Dakotans to be able to experience some of that.
We got a caller who uh, is named Rob also. Rob, you have a great name. Go ahead with your question. Yeah, I have a couple questions here. First sure. of all, he states that there's 48% of uh, dental therapists work in the rural areas of Minnesota. We're not talking about there's 100 dental therapists in the state of Minnesota. Let's use actual factual numbers. And I'm wondering if you have the, the numbers that were being utilized and whether there is even enough, uh, if they're even be utilized to their full potential. Go ahead, Michael. Sure. Well, so if I, I'm going to try to get to the question behind your question there. I, I, I can sense that by looking for the actual numbers, which is something south of 100, I think it's around 65 or 80 uh, total therapists that are currently practicing in Minnesota, practicing in Minnesota to answer your question. Um, I, I, to, to somehow pick at that because there aren't lots and lots and lots of dental therapists out there in order to evaluate the data. It doesn't really seem to, to make much sense to me um, because if you're making the argument that the uh, that, that there aren't enough dental therapists out there to prove its success, then you can actually flip it around uh, if, if there aren't enough dental therapists out there to show that this model doesn't work. Um, but in fact, when you, when you broaden the lens to look at the 95 years of dental therapy practicing, not merely just a few years uh, and relatively few therapists in Minnesota, then you see that that, um, that there's really no reason to be concerned about the quality of care and the, uh, the, the ability of them to reach uh, underserved patients in rural areas uh, with, expand, with expanded access. It's, there's, there's really, um, all this would do is create an option for dentists to be able to, uh, to hire somebody that they're, right now they're not allowed to hire. Nobody would be forced to hire anybody they don't want to. This would just give them the option. Michael, how, how long has the Minnesota legislation been in place, the Minnesota program? Uh, since 2009. 2009. So we're talking about eight years. And you said there's less than 100. What, about 60-so, 40-so, something like that? that? That's right. Yeah, okay. that's about right. In, in my mind, that's a relatively short amount of time when you're talking about something that is somebody's career, right? I mean, before the law created dental therapy as something a person could be licensed to do in the state of Minnesota – Nobody could do that, right? You couldn't aspire to that career. And so I, I, I'm, I'm not sure that, that a low number so far in Minnesota necessarily is a critique when this is something new, right? I mean, we're, we're sort of breaking new ground, and it's a new position, and it's going to take time for people to decide they want to do that and for the public to understand, well, this is a position, this is something other than a dentist, this is a, a different avenue, a little bit different avenue for, for getting dental services. That all takes time. So I don't see that really as a, as a valid critique, I guess. Well, I would fully agree with you there. That that the fact that something is new is not a mark against it. If anything, uh, it's it, at the very least is a sort of a neutral reflection and maybe even a positive reflection when you pair it against the status quo. And the status quo right now is that can a majority of people get access to a dentist when they want one in North Dakota? Sure, I think that's true for every state in the country. But we want to be governing with the interest of not just those who are more privileged, but also those who are not as privileged among us, because we we would like to to be able to do what we can 
in order to help them have access to health care um, and, and not in a way that increases their dependency on other people or certainly on the government. And this is a free market solution. Um, all it does is it, make, it makes dentists more free to hire uh, every kind of employee that, uh, that is available in other states and is available in more than 50 countries for almost a, a century. Um, and it just gives them an option. And as a result of that, dentists who take advantage of that um, will uh, be able to then offer more services to people um, who right now don't have access to care. It's really a win-win. Michael, I thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you, Rob. It's been a pleasure. That's Michael Michael Hamilton, who is uh, from the Heartland Institute. I'm Rob Port. More to come straight ahead. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Don't go away. I'll get you anything, my friend, if it makes you feel all right. Welcome back. Rob Port here on WDAY, 701 Yeah, uh, Jay Thomas show coming up next. I have a feeling uh, he's going to have a few things to say about the uh, the blue law legislation passing in the uh, state house after being uh, reconsidered. Uh, that is something they can do when a bill fails. Uh, there are rules by which uh, a legislative member, I believe it's somebody who, who missed the previous vote, is, is allowed to call it back for reconsideration so that happened and it passed on reconsideration 48 to 46 uh my uh my phone lit up with tech texts from the uh, the house floor i i wrote a i wrote a a post yesterday that was pretty critical of them for uh, for doing it. it it was a lot of it was a lot of faith-based arguing and it, it drove me a little bit nuts uh, some of the lawmakers who stood up uh to argue in favor uh, against the bill to overturn the state's blue laws you know, kind of doing so from a religious point of view, saying, you know, people want time for church, people want time for the Sabbath, uh, and, and on and on. And my argument, I, the problem I have with that is is that a lot of times our legislature goes to, to battle to protect religious liberty. And I'm generally in favor of that. I, I believe in religious liberty. I, I don't think that it should be illegal to conduct your business or your personal life in accordance with your religious conscience. Um, you know, so a lot of the a lot of the fights we had with the Obama administration pushing, you know, contraceptive mandates and that on businesses, I didn't agree with that. And I, I stood up for I stood up for religious liberty, even though I personally am an atheist. I'm not a believer. I'm not I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Hindu. I'm not a Jew. I'm not I'm I'm nothing. I don't I am I don't believe. And so it frustrated me when I heard lawmakers who are normally in favor of religious liberty standing up and saying that we need a law to force businesses to close Sunday mornings because of religion. That sure sounds like imposing one religious point of view on others. So I'm glad they overturned it onto the Senate. I think it'll I think it'll be an easier pass there. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at SayAnythingBlog.com, North Dakota's most popular political blog. More to come straight ahead. Don't go away. Jacket.